0: So uh, two weeks ago, when we got into this first chapter, just for those that A, weren't here, but B, it's been a couple of weeks, we talked about the idea of defending the gospel. We talked about the idea of the family reunion, that Paul spends the, ver- the first chapter trying to let these people in the Galatian region, not just one church, but a letter to many churches, he's trying to help them to understand why they should listen to him. You can, you can tell people a lot of stuff. You can walk up to somebody on the street and be like, excuse me, sir, I, know, I don't know you, but I'm going to give you some life advice. They're like, who are you? I don't know. Why would I listen to you? Paul has the unfortunate disadvantage of being somebody who they don't necessarily have a long track record with. Because when someone—I I watch cop shows, okay? When someone is a plant, if you will, or a, like a carpetbagger politician that just moves to a place— because it's easier, because no one's running, and they're like, "Hey, I, love, I I'm a Wyoming guy. I, I like, or or whatever, North Dakota. Like, you, you go to a place that there's not a lot of people. You think maybe you can you can beat the candidate there or something." In this case, he's trying to defend the gospel through who he was as a person. He's the most Jewish, more than any of the Judaizers that are there. He understands it. He's also trying to get them to understand that he didn't get his message from the guys down in Jerusalem or anybody down in Jerusalem that he's like, God gave this to me personally. So here's why. And it's the same message. So two weeks ago, we, we, we learned that he went to Jerusalem and they were all on the same page. They hadn't been around each other. They hadn't even listened to the same people like other people teaching, but the gospel went out the same way. Jesus gave it to Peter and the boys as the same gospel that Paul Paul was given in the desert, in the Arabian desert. So we talk about leveling the playing field. I love this um, this first verse I want to read, um, verse 11. Now, when Peter had come to Antioch, I withstood him to his face because he was to be blamed. The verse right before that, they talked about, like, they came together, they're on the same page, and then they're all like, hey, let's just, instead of making new converts be circumcised or go back to the law or try and justify themselves because we're all so Jewish, let's just all agree that the gospel is the gospel alone. Jesus, um, what Jesus did on the cross through faith alone. And, guys, the only, only thing we're going to ask of you as a church is to just remember the poor, which Jesus would have told the disciples many times. Just remember the poor, but as for the gospel, it stands on its own. The only thing we would ask of you guys up in Antioch, you missionaries, is just remember the poor. Translation, we don't really have much money here in Jerusalem. So thanks for the financial offering and keep it coming. Um, We're going to launch a website so you guys can give from Antioch. It's going to be way better. So so Peter comes to Antioch and it's not like the next day. It's not like four hours later. It's probably a little bit of time. Commentators guess that it's within weeks or months. We don't know. He doesn't say. And it's in Acts is not covered the actual time, how long it took. But when Peter came to Antioch, which was kind of like the missionary hub, if you would, outside of Israel, a little north and west of Israel, I withstood him to his face because he was to be blamed. Now, to go after Peter, who is, if you will, I mean, he's not the pope. I don't know where that comes from. But Peter was kind of like the guy in charge, if you will. I love what Donald Campbell says. He says, In this final historic incident, Paul tells us how he found it necessary to oppose Peter, the reputed chief of the apostles, or, uh, excuse me, on conduct which threatened to compromise the gospel. The contrast with the previous section is dramatic. Because the, the, the previous section is about family reunion. Hey, Everybody's everybody's doing great. We're all on the same page. And then Peter comes up, starts eating with Gentiles, which he would have had some static with. But if you read his account, and I think it's Acts chapter 10, God's like, don't call them or anything food-wise unclean that I don't call unclean. It's a new covenant, bro. Just stop your old, like, well, I only eat kosher because you told me to. And now I'm telling you to eat with Greeks. On Jews, okay? Do you have a problem with that? No, I guess not, sir. Okay, rise, kill, and eat, Peter. So, Peter comes to Antioch, and he's like, well, nobody's around. I guess I'll eat with these folks. And we'll get into this in a second. We, we have limited time, so I just want to kind of preface that. Jesus leveled the playing field, okay? When Jesus died on the cross, yes, it came through the Jews first, and then it went out to the Gentiles. He picked two guys that are as Jewish as it gets, Peter for Jerusalem and the Jewish people, and Paul for the non. Paul for the the Greek world, if you will, the unsaved world. There's a a lot lot of words that the Bible uses to describe Gentiles or non-Jewish folks. Sometimes they say barbarians. Sometimes they say sinners. I mean, the unsaved world was pretty crazy. It is today, but it was really crazy then too. And so Jesus paved the way for all people to be on the exact same level. Guys, it's very important to understand that. It's not to circumvent authority or not respect authority, but it's also to understand that if authority is abusing their power, you have the right to talk to them. That's what Paul was was doing to Peter. Yeah, Peter, you might be the chief, and you might be over the house churches in Jerusalem. And they may have voted one night for you to be the man because of what Jesus said about you and how he would use you. But it doesn't mean that you can add to the tab and it doesn't mean that you can have one playing field for the Jews and one for the Gentiles. Do not mess with what we've been doing here. You're wrong. That's what's coming. So in Christ, all are on par. In Christ, all are brothers and sisters. In the world around us, that is not the case. In On this earth, it is not a level playing field. It is not. It's who you know a lot of the time. The more you know, the more people you know, the more people that you know that are influential – Likely the easier time you'll have in life. That's just kind of how it goes. So Peter here gets confronted, opposed out loud in front. Verse 12, 4. Before certain men came from James, these are Judaizers that are affiliated with James, the apostle. He would eat with the Gentiles. Peter would have no problem eating with people that were not Jewish. But... When these folks came, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing those who were of the circumcision. And the rest of the Jews also played the hypocrite with him, so that even Barnabas was carried away with their hypocrisy. But when I saw that they were not straightforward about the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter before them all, If you being a Jew live in the manner of the Gentiles and not as the Jews, why do you compel the Gentiles to live as Jews? It's very, very simple. There's two standards here, Peter. When these guys weren't here, you can call them dignitaries, emissaries, whatever you want to call them, people who, because of your background, you're kind of enamored with them. You want them to think well of you. Guys, we know this. We know there are some things that don't really translate that well to our culture. This one does. If you are raised in a certain group, certain tribe, a certain way, and then you change, And then when some of those people visit and they see your new life and you kind of alter that, you play it down, you change, then you're one person over here and you're another over here. And that is hypocrisy. And that is, you know, sometimes people say, well, I don't want to go to church because there's hypocrites there. Yes, join the club, bro. You're welcome in. Because all people are hypocrites. They may not all be on the same level of hypocrisy, but all people have had a double life at some point in their life. All people struggle with standards here and standards there, depending on where they are. Um, it's just the way it is. Some people, like I said, they call Peter the Pope. They call him the leader of the Catholic Church. Let me guess. If you walked into the Vatican today and you said, Yeah, I go to a, I go to a, a, a little um, uh, a little church, if you will. I go to mass in Tucson, Arizona at a small Catholic um, church, and uh, I'd like to talk to the Pope today. How many do you think could ever talk to that Pope? The Pope is the most powerful religious leader on this planet and does not just take comment cards out of the agape boxes and be like, well, maybe I should be a little bit easier. Maybe I should move my positions on this because a lot of people like it or a lot of people are, I'm getting pressure over here So maybe I should change. Not likely. Not likely you're ever going to see the Pope in your life in person. Very rare. Um, And I use the Pope just because everybody knows who he is, and they know that office is pretty insane. It's it's so powerful. So what changed in in Peter's life? The issue is sometimes you and I have more respect for flesh and blood than we do the Lord himself. And I, I know that it sounds wrong to say it out loud, but I remember... Um, I've been pulled over many times uh, in my life, and usually it's speeding. It's been a long time, but when I first got my license, I was pulled over quite a bit and cited each and every time just because I looked like I was 12, and I think the cops were like, you know what, you're only ever going to learn if we if we punish you. So I, used to, I was used to going to court a lot back in the day. And when I would get pulled over, especially if later on in life I got a warning or if I got like a a written warning, I was so different for like the next week, two weeks, three weeks. And it just kind of wears off. And it's like, well, why are you, why are you changing how you really are just because a guy once talked to you for 10 minutes? Because I am afraid of the law. I'm afraid of the law man. I fought the law and the law won. It never doesn't. I was at that concert about 40 years ago with my dad. Um, I'll never forget it. But Neil Diamond is so boring. He, it was a Neil Diamond show with whoever the other guy was. I don't remember. I don't remember names other than Neil Diamond. It was just so boring. Um, Neil Diamond is just boring. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, don't, I don't understand why, why he's that big. But for me, like, like why, why is Jesus is my co-pilot, the bumper sticker, why is that not enough? Why is getting in the car going, all right, Jesus, put on your seatbelt. You're going to need it. And then just let's drive. Let's drive cool. Why is it that I would drive differently there than in the Costco parking lot the day before Thanksgiving? Please, Shannon, let's not go to Costco this coming Wednesday like we usually end up having to do. <laughs> it's because we are affected by people, opinions, flesh and blood. We are affected by people around us. At work, you don't want to be odd man out, odd woman out. You don't. You, you want people to like you. We, we gener- Most people want to kind of get along with people they spend a ton of time with. They don't want friction every day. They don't want rough every day. And Peter was very, very wrong here. And what I think the text is also showing us, in addition to just telling us that this happened, is it's not trying to paint all Christians as perfect. The guys that started the churches weren't perfect. They had conflict. They were human beings. They had issues. And Paul thought this to be such a big deal, he did it in front of people. He didn't He didn't pull them aside quietly and be like, hey man, probably should be a little bit more consistent. Some of these Jewish some of these gentile people are being like Ugh, we're not really that welcome here. It's 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 no difference in standard from Paul or Peter or James or John to you and I. We're all in the exact same family. We're all in the exact same faith. And we do have to remember that sometimes we show favoritism, sometimes we give certain people a pass that we wouldn't give over here, and we have to take those things to the Lord and be like, look, God, I don't want to be that person. I want to be the same person at home as I am when no one's watching, as I am when I'm around people at work or or friends and family. And so in verse 15 he says, we who are Jews by nature, and not sinners of the Gentiles, that's once again a a non-Jewish word basically, Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, for by the works of the law no flesh can be justified. That word, justified, does not come into play as much as you might think. And so what he's trying to show... When we say that word nowadays, or are you trying to justify yourself, it kind of stings a little bit when someone says that. Because it is a big deal. How are you justified? How are you and I made right? How are we declared righteous when we are definitely not that on our own? Because of someone else's gift. Because of someone else's sacrifice. He's saying, Peter, you and I are no different than these people. We are both as Jewish as it gets. But they are in the faith. And you are leading them astray. You are teaching them a second standard. And for us, we need, to, we need to look at all of our standards, like whatever they are, and say, is this okay, and is this going to lead someone astray? But, if while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves also are found sinners, is Christ therefore a minister of sin? Certainly not. So there's a lot in here, but there's no free pass, is the point. He's not giving a free pass. Jesus doesn't give us a free pass. It's like everybody enters the same way. Jesus could have abused his power as son of God. He never walked into the temple, holy of holies. Hey, dad, what's going on? Like the little little rich brat of a billionaire's son that walks right into meetings and disrespects all the men that his father has put on the board. He walks in drunk or whatever. I'm a big idiot, but he's my dad, so I can do whatever I want. No, that's how Americans are. <laughs> there's movies all about that. And there's, there's, there's even terms, trust fund kids. Oh, that's a trust fund kid, so what do you expect? He walks in and, and upsets his father's you know, board meeting because he, he, because he can, because no one else can. It feels special to be the guy who the standards don't apply. We would all love to be let in line first when there's a long, long line. Hey, come on up. You're different than everybody else. You don't have to wait. We cannot call people to the pure gospel, and then when, dignitar- when dignitaries show up, we change our behavior. When people who are a big deal in the church, when people who are famous celebrity pastors, no one's above the law. You should be able to walk up to the most famous Christian pastor in this country, whoever that person is, and say to that person, hey, are you and I on the same level? Now, you're not going to get to that person, whoever that person is, but they should be like, of course we are. We're brothers, you and I. That's what they should say. It's likely probably not what you're going to hear. You're probably going to hear, hey, get him. And that's a security guard standing right next to him. That's what you're going to get. But that's not how it should be, and that's not how it was in this day. There was no, there was no security guards. There was no huge mansion buildings, You know, 85,000 square foot churches. There was just these teachers that knew Jesus and taught And Paul went out and started to start these little fellowships. And the Spirit of God fueled it. And the Spirit of God was how they grew. It wasn't some like magical formula. It wasn't marketing. It wasn't budgets. It wasn't, well, they have a lot of views on Jerusalem Tube. It wasn't that. He says, we being Jews should know better because Jesus gave us the gospel directly, specifically me and you, Peter. He gave it to you in person. He gave it to me through a vision. We should not be letting these Judaizers. And one of the commentators says something to the effect of even though these people are tagged to James, he goes that they, 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 these commentators say it's doubtful that James would have approved of how they were being, that James wasn't necessarily there for all of it. So Paul writes, uh, verse 18, for if I build again those things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. For I, through the law, died to the law that I might live to God. We're the same, Peter. Paul writes this reminding not only the Galatians, but us, this church, every church that's ever preached this and proclaimed it as truth, that we are all prone to wander. Paul also, it's hard to believe sometimes, but Paul wrote Romans chapter 6, 7, and 8 so we wouldn't really worry about. Was he really close to perfect, Jesus? Is he better than all of us? No, he even said he struggled with doing things that he didn't want to do because his flesh still was one. It was still a flesh. One of the reasons, though, that Jesus died is so that we could all be freed from a double life. There's no integrity in a double life. Um, years ago, I was a, an intern at a church in Chicagoland, and the, and the pastor was a big deal then. But he, he, he became really, really famous um, and had a huge fall a few years back, um, was removed from his ministry, but... Tens of thousands of people in the, in the churches and plants all over the country. But before this, the church was a, a meager 3,000 when I worked there. Um, but only had one church. They eventually had a bunch of these churches. And I had known about him and listened to him on the radio for many years. And I was a Moody Bible Institute student. And I was a intern for the... I was a paid intern for the junior high ministry, which his son was in my group. And I remember thinking... When this guy shows up, like, I'm a little bit nervous because he's a larger-than-life personality, but I remember saying something. I remember um, him walking up on a smaller group of us, the youth pastor, me, and a few other kids, and I remember talking, and he showed up in the group, and then I said something that I knew would make him really happy, like one of his taglines, and he's like, yeah, right on, right on, whoever you are, and I was like, oh, that felt good. He knows who I am. Not really. He didn't actually know your name. He didn't say your name. But I remember thinking, like, why in the world, if I'm being honest with myself, why does that matter more than Jesus caring about me? This is a guy. And he's been removed. He's a disgrace now. But he wasn't then. He was a big deal then. But in reality, the most humble person in that entire church should be him. But he wasn't. And he was. that was one of the reasons he was removed. There was a lot of pride. And eventually... Uh, it made him fall. But Jesus died to level the playing field between the Jews and the Gentiles, the mega church, like the guys more famous than Joel Olstein, and the guys that have a 10-person home Bible fellowship and no one's ever heard of them and they've, they have no footprint on the internet and they would never, and nobody will ever hear of them. Um, the people that have house churches in Nepal that aren't even allowed to tell anybody that they have it. They're on the same level. Whoever the the most famous person God's going to ask him the exact same question. Why should I let you into my heaven? Well, because your son has paid my price, and he is my savior. Versus, well, did you see how many people I had at my church? Did you see how many books I sold? It's not going to get you in, man. This is no back door. There's a level playing field. Free men, slaves, kings, the poor, throughout history. If you were the king of, if you were the Caesar, if you were the most poor person that dug trenches in land they had just conquered. Through Christ, Peter, we're all on the same level and don't treat the Gentiles any different than you treat James's guys and vice versa. Don't do it. I have been crucified. You guys know this verse if you know Galatians. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I live my life through faith. I don't live my life on accomplishment. I don't live my life on the fact that I was the greatest Pharisee and I was the up-and-coming best Pharisee and I was the most awesome Jewish prosecutor, if you will. None of that matters in Christ. And if anybody could say it and have it stick, it's Paul. Because he wasn't some little, like, low-end guy. If anything, Peter shouldn't have been as proud as he was. Because Peter had come from a fishing gig. He wasn't, like, some some rock star. The only thing, he, he had no education at all. They just knew that Peter had been with Jesus and that was enough. And that Peter, that's why Peter was so changed. is because he had hung out with Jesus for three years. And I love... Twenty and twenty-one, because these are this is the crux. This is what brings us into the meat of Galatians, and we'll get into that uh, very shortly. But he says, he says, I do not set aside the grace of God. For if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. Think about that. What Jesus went through. We are human beings that are prone to move past what happened yesterday really quickly. We're prone to forget stuff. We're prone to forget hurts. We're prone to just, hey, you know what? Maybe we're bitter about some stuff and maybe we remember a lot of stuff. But we, like when we talk about how many people die like in our own lives, like I went to 10 funerals last year or whatever, we're not waking up in the morning, and that's not first and foremost, generally speaking, unless it's somebody super, super connected to you. We move on. Like when you hear somebody talk about the stuff that people say at work, the problems of people... How messed up this world is. And then you see them on a golf course or you see them on the beach. Trust me, they are past that for the moment. They are on to look at the waves, look at the palm trees, look at the coconut that I have a straw in. That's how we are. We're able, God lets us move on. But to set aside grace, to set aside and to ever bring anything, and I mean anything into it, a lot of us would be like, well, amen, Dan. But do you ever, do I ever put something on somebody? Do we ever put something additional onto somebody and go, well, yeah, it's good that you're doing that, but you should be doing a whole lot more. Well, maybe we should be doing a lot more. Well, maybe all of us should. But it doesn't mean that you can add anything to Jesus' death and resurrection. You can't. And you, if you do, Galatians has some very strong words for you. <laughs> Let you be accursed. I don't want to be that guy, I do know you don't want to be that person, but sometimes we mistakenly, sometimes we on accident, sometimes when we're not really thinking, we subtly put stuff onto people by, well, maybe you should consider doing this. And then that gets thrown on their shoulders and then they start worrying, oh my gosh, I need to do more, I need to do a lot more of that, or whatever is. It doesn't matter what it is. It could be acts of service. It could be how much you read the Bible. It could be how many passages do you currently know? How many sermons have you listened to? Let Jesus' death and resurrection be it. Let that be it, Christian. And then from there, take your cues of what he wants you to do from him. Not from some random pastor, not from some random Christian, not from some ministry that's trying to manipulate you for money or time or whatever, because there's a lot of that out there, unfortunately. One of the most difficult things for us to realize is that we do set grace aside from time to time. We all do it. There's no human being that hasn't, because Paul has done it. Paul and Peter have done it in the New Testament. They, I mean, if Paul is saying to you, what a wretch I am, Paul had some struggles. Sometimes I'm glad he doesn't tell us all of the individual dirty laundry, because I, I sometimes think that that gives people license to sin. When they're like, oh, Paul struggled with that, so it's okay if I do this because he was the all-star. No, he's trying to get you to understand, you're not going to be perfect. Don't dwell in sin, don't revel in it, don't practice it, and don't go hot-tubbing in sin. But, you will get into some if you live on this dirty earth. So let's move on. It's not something that anyone would say they do or want to do, or that they would ever want to do. But when you and I act one way with some group, And then we go to a religious practice or a religious service or whatever else, and we do something different or we act something different, that's two persons. That's two faces. That's hypocrisy. Whatever the case is, it's why we have to have the relationship. It's why Christianity is different than anything else. Because so many other religions are connected in one specific context, and then you leave that context, and it's like, well, I'm good. It's almost like taking a vitamin. Like, did you take your vitamin today? Yeah. So I can go eat donuts all day long. That's why I did it. Well, I guess it's good that you took the vitamin. But I don't know about the other stuff. Well, but I do take in my daily amount of niacin or whatever that junk is. Okay. You also take in eight years of cholesterol in a day. So that's not going to be good either. So, all right, Jim just because you're metabolically blessed doesn't mean you should be able to do that. So, three quick things. We're past we're past on time again. Unlike in the world, there is no Christian on this planet that cannot be pulled aside, that cannot be confronted about some inconsistency. In the real world, you do not confront the president of a company. You don't confront your boss. You don't pull him aside and be like, "I'm going to rip you. Come here." you're done with the company. You don't work there anymore. The second you've done that. Some high-profile celebrity without major consequence to your own life. When we are all under the exact same law, which is grace, no one is untouchable. We need each other. But there's a balance there. There's a balance of how you do it. There's a balance of how you say something to somebody. Now, Paul thought... We don't know the exact words, all of the words, but Paul thought it was important enough in the group around to say, "Peter, what you're doing is wrong here." And he didn't pull him aside like Matthew, where it's like, "Well, first I have to pull him aside and do this," because it was a public thing. Paul thought, in this case, I need the, God is telling me to do this. This is an early church; it's a brand new church; it's a brand new group of people. We cannot get off on two gospels. We can't. And so I think it was also important for them to see, well, Paul's not Peter. Peter's the chief of the apostles. Interesting He can that Peter can take this, and Peter did take this, and that they didn't, they didn't hate each other for the rest of the time. Sure, there was some conflict. There's always conflict with leadership to some degree. But when we're all under the exact same grace, the exact same faith, that no one's untouchable, and we need each other. No one's untouchable, but we need each other. It's very important. Secondly, if this sin in Peter's life was not confronted, think of the influence that the apostles would have over people living out this double life. On some level, there's hypocrisy in all people's lives. It could be small. It could be a really, really, really small thing that never really like erupts into anything, never really messes somebody up, but even, uh, maybe even often, this hypocrisy, which does tend to find its way into people's lives, when it comes to preaching one gospel and living out another in front of this new crop of believers, legalism would have been the law of the land again, that's why it's so important, that's why religiosity and preaching against it is so important. It's not that the things that Christians do are bad. It's like, hey, we're doing this uh, food drive. Great, that's awesome. Don't make every single person feel guilty that has to work that day. Don't put it on them. You, didn't, you just told them about it. Hey, tomorrow, all of us, every single person here, we're all doing work for the Lord. We're all working for Jesus. Can you say that you have something better to do? Wow, thanks, pastor. I won't sleep tonight. Awesome, thanks for the trip. no. But I'm telling you, that does happen sometimes. It may not be as obvious and over-exaggerated as I just did, but it's, it goes in subtly. Oh, by the way, did you spend your 64 minutes with the Lord this morning before you went to work? Why 64? Mm, that's what I do. But your name's not in here. I can't find it, Bible teacher. I'm just saying. Whatever it is, I'm trying to, I'm trying to paint it a little bit funny. So we can kind of digest it a little bit different. But it is that way sometimes. There's ministries that, that really, really load people up with guilt, that load people up with, with trips and with, with a yoke, with, a, with bondage, that Christ would say, no, 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 that's not me. That's not what I'm calling you to. I'm calling you to this ministry. Everybody's called to something different. Your race could be... 26 miles, 46 miles, 90 miles, and, and I'm, you know obviously I'm using in years too. But what I'm saying is we don't know, I don't know what God's telling Robert to do or Jim to do, so I'm not going to put something on them and try and load them down to satisfy my agenda or to get stuff done. I'm not going to do that. Lastly, I just want to um, read this quote uh, from Donald Campbell, who was the guy who I started off the, the quote with. Donald Campbell says, "...to insist on justification..." or sanctification by works is to nullify the grace of God. Further, such insistence on legal obedience also means Christ died for nothing. Think about that. What Jesus went through, it's not good enough for us. We also do um, this and that. We add to it. If righteousness comes by keeping the law, the cross was futile and also the biggest mistake ever made in the universe. Why? Because it was the only innocent man that ever died. So what's the point? The point is, verse 21, I don't set aside the grace of God. I don't, I don't go, well, just move it out of the way so I can put my agenda on the front porch, or right in front and center. No, I don't set aside the grace of God. For if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. Now you might go, well, was, was it really what Peter did? Was it really that bad? Yeah, it was really that bad. Because what it did is it made other people who thought Jesus was enough go, he's probably not enough. And that is a billboard sin for being accursed. That is a scary thing. Paul loved Peter. That's why I told him this. Peter, don't do that, man. Don't come up here and bring your Judaism and your legalizer buddies up here and start acting one way and acting like they're a big deal. They're not dignitaries. They're nothing. They don't even believe what we believe but they're big deals and so you fear them because back in the day they mocked you and back in the day you were afraid of them, but you don't need to be afraid of them anymore. They need to come to Christ just like you and I did. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for um, just ha- allowing us to have this gospel in front of us, that, that we would have letters um, 1,900 years later in our, in our hands, God, that help us navigate, that help us compass through this life. I I do pray, Lord, for those that are feeling guilt, that are feeling shame, that are feeling like they aren't doing enough or that they are not carrying their weight. God, help them know that they could never carry their weight by themselves. And God, that it is by grace through faith, it is not by works, lest any person could ever brag. God, help us with that. Help us to know when we're we're manipulating it. Help us to know when we're double-lifing it. Help us to know, Lord, how to how to be pulled back into that simple, loving relationship with you. In Jesus' name, amen.